0: Hey, this is Anne. I'm the chair of AFP Congress and I'm with Charitably Speaking and I am joined by Laura Champion, fundraising strategist at Blakely and chair of the Congress Education Committee and welcome to this wonderful podcast series. I hope you've been enjoying all the podcasts in the series so whether you're able to join us at Congress or whether this is your first time meeting us, welcome and sit back, relax. And we hope you enjoyed enough that you consider attending the next Congress in the schedule. We look forward to meeting you and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. My name's Meredith, and I'm your session host uh, for today's uh, session at 2 o'clock. And Montana is our uh, student host. Uh, She's in the Humber Fundraising Program. And so far, she uh, really likes fundraising. She hasn't been turned off yet. So. (laughs) I'll remember that when we're asking our encouraging questions. Don't forget um, we're being so, recorded, Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the session today disrupt peer review, innovation, and board motivation. Uh, we have two presenters today, Tracy Church, who's uh, a principal researcher and charitable sector consultant at Tracy Church and Associates. And Tracy has been a researcher for over 20 years and is the past president of APRA Canada and current director for APRA International and AFP Golden Horseshoe. She's also on the AFP International Research Council. Tracy is principal researcher and consultant for Tracy Church and Associates, and has worked with over three hundred charities across Canada. Tracy is co-editor and author of Prospect Research in Canada, an essential guide for researchers and fundraisers, which I can personally say is an awesome, research, uh, <laughs> awesome resource. Um, Tracy teaches at Western University in the MLIS program and has her MILS and professional certificate in NFP, not-for-profit, not-for-profit management. Thank you. She is a requested presenter and loves to see her trainees succeed in the exciting field of prospect research. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks. Jennifer McNally, CFRE, is the Director of Development at Georgetown Hospital Foundation. Jennifer's, uh, uh, sorry, she has over seven years' experience developing and leading fundraising programs in support of community healthcare. As a results driven professional, she's motivated by her interest in learning new techniques. Need- sorry, new techniques for increasing revenues, engaging in the community at large, donors, volunteers, and board members. An advocate of professional development and education, Jennifer earned her CFRE in January 2018, and recently and proudly joined the AFP Golden Horseshoe Board of Directors. So could everybody give a warm round of applause for our speakers? (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone. Just to let you know that this is also becoming a podcast, so we have to keep it clean. And I have to keep my sarcasm down, people told me. And um, so we will be reading the slides, unfortunately. Normally, we like to not read too much, but for the people who are just listening, we do have to read the slides. Um, If you have a question, just raise your hand, and Meredith will bring over the microphone for you. And so, just keep in mind too that it is being recorded, so you might want to keep your organization neutral, especially if you're saying, "My board members don't pull their weight," right? So, so like I'm going to have to skew
2: some of my material. In there. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. So,
1: um, yeah. So, okay, I want to get going. So, okay, so we're going to get going. Um, obviously, you, we've already introduced ourselves. So. We are actually going to, so this is a little agenda. We're going to do uh, a Mentimeter poll and we're going to use some of the results and your feedback from this session, maybe to do an article or two on um, improving board interactions. We're still working on this to try to refine it. I don't, a lot of people have difficulty getting their boards activated. Um, why do we do peer screening? Uh, a lot of times, as a researcher, I bring forward names to screen and nothing happens, so I need to know why there's nothing happening, right? Uh, Roles of the board, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Getting the right volunteers in the room. uh, Georgetown Hospital experience. Right, and
2: then I'll talk about the steps and examples um, that I can provide
1: specifically to uh, our peer screening experiences. Mm -hmm. And we're having a book draw for the Prospect Research book because in it there is a whole pile of information about how to do peer screens and different types of, of... Models for you and different types of uh, sheets and all sorts of reporting. So we can do that. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we'll have questions. You can ask questions throughout. Uh, we're not adverse to not that. But we're going to sort of just kind of um, look around the room and see sort of uh, who's here. If everyone wants to pull out their phone um, or whatever you're doing, if you have a laptop, and go to www.menti.com. Has anybody done one of these before? Oh, they're, great. Yeah. They're, they're really interesting. Yeah. So. Um, so go to menti.com and um, let me see, where are we here? And you'll see it asks for a code. So put in 875611. And we're going to ask a few questions. And so, oh, people have already got the idea. This is excellent. So what <laughs> is, is the new? size of your fundraising shop? We just want to get an idea how many, how big shops are here. Oh, so I'm Mm -hmm. over 50. That's cool. Wow. Just let, uh, we'll just kind of see how many. I think there's around 20 people in the room, so we'll see how many are there. Oh, there's a bunch of just me's. That's hard. Who's the just me's? Does anyone want to? Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is hard work. So you have many hats. Right. Okay, excellent. So six to ten is about average, so that's pretty good. So over 50. Who's the over 50s? Okay, so when the just start to cry, the over-50s will be like, I don't have to do that. So anyway, so that's okay. Um, okay, we just want to get an idea of that. Uh, for the next question, what is the size of your board of directors? Because some are really big. Over 30. Over 30, that's a lot. Yeah. I'm going to I'm look to one of my ex-colleagues, uh, Nicole, because Nicole and I used to present together, and we used to do national presentations that you could see each other. And Nicole was a really good eye roller so, if I see Nicole eye rolling, I know that I've gone off path, and we have to come back. I'm going to get paranoid. looking she at your said, eyes. She said oh, she's going to look down when she, when she feels an eye roll coming on. I hope it doesn't fling you off your chair in any way. But anyway, so um, okay. So there's some of them that are, have over 30. So that's, that makes it a little bit more difficult. But I'm hopefully that we'll, you'll be able to take some um, sort of. We have I've worked on a workshop. Uh, sort of board workshops with about five, four or five organizations now. And these methods so far seem to be working. So uh, we'll see. hopefully these will be. Next one, is your organization community-based, regional, national, or international? So there's a lot of national international. See, because it's easier, of course, with peer reviews if we're all in the same room. So for the national people and the international people... Um, do you do, say, regional peer reviews, or is it all done by webinar and um, on the phone? Does anyone want to? Can you pass the microphone to Nicole, please? <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Thank um, you. It's both. It's uh, we
2: do things webinar based, but we also do things um, actually in person. We fly a lot of
1: people around the world, kind of thing. Okay. But um, yeah. It's, and sometimes we have them in, like, we have a sort of a global meet. We have um, an international board of directors, but we also have national boards as well. Okay. Okay. So it's cohorting people around the world. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Does anyone else want to share when they're doing national and international peer review? No? Not yet. Okay. Uh, What about, do you have a major giving or campaign or fundraising committee? That's separate from your board of directors. I'm happy to see there's not any not sures. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> that's right. This is a different group. These people actually know their people. I love this. Great. So, okay, that's good. So, I mean, obviously, the major gambling and Camp campaign committee. This goes uh, along with this as well. So, uh, in the book, some of the um, examples actually come from the Ivy School of Business, their campaign committee. Uh, so, that will hopefully be helpful as well uh, and do you do peer screening at your organization yes no not sure we used to but don't anymore and then don't worry about option five we didn't fill that in we were thinking of yeah. doing that <laughs> <laughs> okay so there's still a bunch of no so hopefully we can help you
2: and some not sure is that's interesting
1: yeah well they're not sure maybe it's uh, somebody else does it or they're not sure that somebody right. else does it yeah mm-hmm. And what words best describe your experience with peer review? Hi, Alex. Be candid. Yes, (laughs) that's right. And this will make a word cloud. I think you can add three, right? Yes. Beneficial. Oh, that's positive. That's very good. (laughs) It's got to be more than beneficial. (laughs) (laughs) So that's when you uh, talk about prospects with your board, and they talk about what linkages they may have or can give an estimated capacity or, or connections and so on. So either you bring the name forward or the board brings the name forward. The inexperienced, yep. Yeah. insightful, beneficial, okay, rewarding. So far so good. Yeah, absolutely. That's not bad. Disconnected, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Non-existent. non <laughs> Now, see, I was expecting to see more of that. Challenging, <laughs> that's
2: an interesting one too. It is,
1: Yeah. yeah. Missed opportunity. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Okay, we we'll go on, and hey, we're almost done this part. Uh, and do you have position descriptions for your board of directors? That's a biggie. Everyone knows they're supposed to, right? <laughs> yes, of course. See, there's a lot yeah, of yes, that, of course. That's refreshing, actually. That's, that's good, for right. sure. For the people that don't have position descriptions for your board of directors, do you at least have CVs and profiles and know their backgrounds, or is it just somebody asked someone to be on the board? Does anyone want to share? No, they don't want to share. Okay, that's scary. Okay. So we'll overshare. They're like, we didn't want... This isn't our present agent, Tracy. Have your directors been told... They have to give yes, a hard ask, yes, soft, like wouldn't it be nice if. We'd love it if, if you If you know, no or not sure. In the States, of course, a lot of boards have to pay like $25,000 before they're even on the board. We're a little more shy up, up north of the border. So there's a lot of softs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't it
1: be nice? Yeah. Okay. And I believe, lastly, have you invested in board education? So it could be board retreats. It could be one-on-one education.
2: Do you bring a speaker in to your board meetings um, to do a special presentation on a specific
1: topic? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a few sort of laggers, but not too bad. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. So now let's go into our presentation. Thanks yeah. for doing that. Yeah, that was very you. interesting. Okay. So let's see from current side. Okay. So why do we do it? Um, this is going to be obvious. I'm going to have to put my glasses on every so often. Um, obviously, we know that using our senior volunteers and senior executives, I count as well, is one of the most important aspects in the success of fundraising. So while we... Do you know this? As I said, unfortunately for the podcast, I have to kind of read some of this. Most people don't do regular peer screenings. That's one thing I find when I'm working with clients is they know they have to do it. They don't like doing it. Um, They haven't been successful in the past. Um, Quite often they're awkward. Uh, Slow volunteers dislike doing them. Uh, I think I say, we say in a later slide, have you ever seen a look on someone's face when you hand them 200 names? Yeah, They don't like the whole listy thing, right? Um, But close linkages and affinity are two of the most important elements in building relationships with prospective donors. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what we can find on donors and then what's missing, essentially, is what the senior volunteers can fill in. And of course, fundraisers, right? Um, So a lot of times we're uh, we've been teaching senior volunteers to think like a prospect researcher. Does anyone not know what a prospect researcher is? So I can throw my book at you. <laughs> it's okay. Everyone knows what a prospect researcher is? Oof. Yeah, that's, that's we're oh, head. That was good. Okay. Um, in regards to identifying and qualifying prospects, uh, prospective donors. And we do look at individuals, corporations, and foundations. Qu- quite often when you see a lot of... Wealth screening or list reviews and that. Sometimes they only just talk about individuals, but in reality, our prospect lists are made up of corporations and foundations as well. So we do look at linkages to all those things to open up doors. Um, and then, as I said, and we—they need to provide pr- potential links for us, uh, door openers. You hear the whole peer-to-peer um, fundraising and everything now that goes on.
2: So, like Tracy said, um, our senior volunteers, and specifically our, our most senior volunteers, our, our board of directors, they have a lot of things that, that they should be doing and should be focusing on. So, um, again, I'm, I'm going to read through here what um, we think is a very uh, good list of, of things that your board members should be focusing on because there's a lot that maybe they shouldn't be focusing on. Um, but they set the strategic direction for the organization. They're responsible for oversight and management. Uh, while governing, they control the operations and services. They're guardians of the mission. Every single board member should know what your mission is and why you exist and why you're sitting around the table. Uh, they make policies, rules, and strategies. Uh, they represent the members and the stakeholders. And they ensure that the organization meets their goals. And the next one here, which is bolded for a reason, is, is my favorite run. one, is help raise funds for operations programming, and campaigns. Help raise funds should be underlined. Um, They're also responsible for risk oversight and ultimate responsibility. So I'd be curious to know um, who in the room, with your board of directors, if you've been working with them, spend most of their time at the top and not so much with the helping raising funds piece. So more policy, um, governance things, and they're not really into the fundraising piece. So that's interesting. So when we go on to um, this next slide, uh, and Tracy and I were at a conference uh, not that long ago, and we were both at the session, and we we had a bit of an aha moment when we saw this slide. It was kind of telling. So uh, when you look at it, understanding the mission, thank goodness that's an A, an A-minus. Financial oversight, that's a B plus. And as we go through the list, we see that... um, we get weaker and weaker and weaker. And where the challenging area is, the worst grade is with fundraising. So not selling gala tickets, not selling golf foursomes, but even the board seems to understand, the board chairs, that this is not where they excel. And it's not because they don't want to excel, at least this is my opinion, Mm -hmm. is they really just don't know what to do. And we need to focus some time and energy
0: yeah, and what's interesting,
2: piece. just go
1: back to that yeah. for a second. You'll notice that it says what the executive gives mm. the board and what the board gives themselves. So they both agree that they don't do fundraising well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just sort of a misperception. That's right. That That's think.
2: right. The board gives themselves an A and the yeah. executives are like, yeah, there, no, fail. it's nothing like that.
1: That's <laughs> right. They both agree, yeah, we don't do that very well. Right. Yeah.
2: So uh, questions
1: about uh, fundraising board roles. Oh, I think yeah, this is you that's over right here. Um, so I do have some sort of, so we asked a little bit, do you have position descriptions for your board members? So these are questions that you need to sort of ask, ask yourselves and then take back. So there's some things, there might be some reasons why your board isn't very good at peer screening and maybe sort of will help you Pick your board members in the future will help. So do you have position descriptions for your board members? So in the position description, does it say that they have to give money and get money? And then, of course, there used to be the three Gs or get off, right? We're not quite so brutal anymore, but maybe we should be.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I'm just going to interject here. (laughs) I know um, just from experience that, um, and I know some of you mentioned when we did the, the Mentimeter earlier, Um, That is sort of a soft ask. And I know that the organization I'm with, um, it's time, talent and or treasure. Uh, And so it it, it creates some tension because I think we, uh, we being the staff, there's an expectation uh, that the board will give, but we ask so softly and so gently and don't worry about it, um, that we don't see the results that we'd like to see. So I, I do think that... Um, it's a, not an
1: or, it's an and. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an and. That's right.
2: Um, yeah, so a policy would be helpful.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, and the obvious reason is because a board member can't go out and ask for money because if the donor says, oh, does all, do you all give? And if the answer is no, then you're kind of stopped in your tracks, right? So... It's not like a lot of boards set limits. I mean, I I said, I know they do in some of the larger organizations in the States. But it can be your best gift. Or when I was working at Lund Health Sciences Foundation, I mean, there was a a couple of the ladies from the ladies' auxiliary were there. And they would just maybe give $25. But they were still giving a gift so they could say that was 100% participation. Um, So will your board members be surprised if, A, they're asked for money and, B, be expected to uh, solicit donors? Are you changing the rules halfway through their tenure? So have they come on and never been asked, and then all of a sudden now you're saying, now we're going to ask you for money, or now we want you to ask for money, or we want you to make connections? So has anyone had board members that have actually just been around a long, 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 long time? or are they all pretty new. Yeah. There's some that have they cha- have you changed the rules on them a little bit or expectations? I would not say now but definitely say 5 years ago. 5 uh, years was ago. We did mm-hmm. more who had come on not under a chair that was not working, Right. And yep. Uh, we had two members who resigned and that was okay. That's okay. That's right. Oh, well, that's great. So thank you. So that was basically to recap. You said about five years ago during campaign, when new expectations were put into place, you did have a couple resignations. And that was okay. And the, but the new ones understand, right? So it does take time. Uh, to kind of flip over the board to this new understanding. It's not like everyone's going to be on board right away. Um, anyway, so what? But she always ask them too, volunteers. Why did they? Why did they join your board? I notice if I stand this far back, I actually don't need my glasses. So anyway, uh, uh, did you need their experience? Did you need like someone from a financial background? Uh, is it from a legal background? Or did they want to stretch their wings? Sometimes. If they're not asked, they're sort of like, well, I actually do financial stuff in my real life. I actually want to come on the board to maybe work in social media or something. So make sure you ask them and that's so you're satisfying what they want. Um, is this a networking opportunity for them? I mean, it was very obvious when I was working at the Hospital Foundation that that was kind of one of the biggest networking schmoozy opportunities for people. But you could pick them out at board meetings, which ones were actually there for the hospital and which ones were actually there to sort of pad their resume a little bit and did you ask the board members why did you join was it because Jen asked you and you curl with Jen every week or something like that you know that she her. made me do it yeah that's right she made me do it that's right that's why you're doing this presentation right Jen <laughs> that's yeah. right somebody made me do it <laughs> that's right uh, so yeah so this is I think this is um Yeah, so getting the right volunteers. So you do need the right volunteers for screening and fundraising. And remember when we asked you, uh, do you have a major giving committee as well? So not every board member is going to be good at fundraising and that might not be why they're there. There's usually a couple of champions that are there and they love it and they're good at getting their friends to come on board and all that stuff. As long as you identify, like the last thing you want to do is put a board member who's not good at fundraising in front of a prospective donor, because that could be disaster, especially if they're not trained, they don't want to do it. It'll come off very negative, so it will be a negative impact. So as long as the training's there and or they've self-identified that that's not what they want to do, there'll be other senior volunteers that maybe will be better at this. Um, but you do need to adopt 100% board-giving policy. Ideally, their best gift. So when they're talking to donors, they can say they gave their best gift to this organization. Um, and then board members need to understand the strategy of fundraising, be engaged, and be able to develop a strategic plan that is a, a fundraising plan that is strategic, diverse, and aggressive. And then I always add this at the end, but Achievable. And that's where, I mean, from a researcher hat, I always say, have the research done before. I've been to one, more than one organization that they're in campaign. Their last campaign was $30 million. It's like, you know what? Let's just do 50. That's well, a why nice not? Big, why not? Why wouldn't you do 50? Why wouldn't you do 50? that's million. right. 30 was so attainable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sort of thing. So yeah. rather than having these nice, round, yummy numbers, do the research ahead of time and make sure that your goal is actually... Um, achievable for your constituency basically and there is there is a
2: and I'm just going to boil this down and I'm sure you all understand this but I think it's a really good example about the 100% board giving policy because they can't ask if they haven't given and a really good example of that would be if your organization hosts a peer-to-peer fundraising event like a walk so you set up a walk team can you imagine asking your your friends or your family or your neighbors to participate in that if you haven't made a gift yourself, even if it's just $25 or $50. So I think in my mind, when I need it crystallized, that's, that's what, what it's about. You can't ask your peers and your friends if you haven't done it yourself. It just doesn't look or, or feel good. Yeah, so that's right.
1: So who makes the best fundraising and peer screening volunteers? So select and recruit senior volunteers from your key constituents, those who have a positive impact on the success of your fundraising campaign. Your key volunteers should mirror your constituent base. And we had a little bit about that in the plenary, um, opening plenary this morning. In ethnicity, gender, age, program, areas of interest, and geography. So they do have to reflect your constituency. Um, We used to say something, what can't be a bunch of old white guys. In the States, they're much more cruel. They call them, uh, what is it? Male, pale, and stale. Like, oh, I haven't that heard that for, before.
2: It's pretty brutal, oh. eh?
1: I know, because <laughs> we're in Canada, we don't say that here. But anyway, that. but it's like, but it is, so you have to look at your constituency. So if you're from Mississauga, and there's a lot of new Canadians in Mississauga, does it make sense that your board is not diverse, right? So, um, and that's kind of the first step. So research should be done on these key volunteers to guarantee the organization knows their capacity, linkages, and ability to leverage relationships. So even before you go way into peer review, you need to know as much as you can about your senior volunteers and executives so you know what kind of uh, networks they already have. It's not just the, like, hey, who do you know type of thing. It's very targeted. So other key volunteers, your current major donors, top cash donors, top cumulative donors, top influencers for your organization, Current and past board members, if you're if you're forming a committee, it's so funny. Past board members seem to like fall off. Yeah, they disappear when they were so engaged for so many years, and then people seem to forget about them. But they would be probably quite happy to come back and be on a committee, which has a shorter uh, time span essentially. so, senior volunteers are more than just board members. They should, uh, should you have, should you form a volunteer fundraising committee? For if you're looking at your board currently right now and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure, these guys have been around five, to six years, we might not, they might struggle to do peer review. Maybe we should have a senior um, fundraising committee. So, volunteers with corporate and foundation uh, contacts, obviously. Community li- uh, leaders, maybe not current elected officials, they can't usually, uh, except for, what was the lady in Mississauga? Hazel. Hazel. She would do whatever she want, right? But uh, everyone else is kind of really selective or very careful about uh, which organizations they support while they're in office. But don't forget past uh, elected officials. Even uh, town or
2: municipal um, uh, staff can sometimes be helpful. Yeah. If you make a connection yeah. there, they... We'll speak candidly um, about developers who come into town or, or other um,
1: businesses who might yeah. be interested in, in doing business. Yeah, the economic yeah, development ca- councils of all of the uh, cities, too. Mm-hmm. And then internal constituents outside of the development office. So, program directors, uh, you know, institute heads, staff, and so on. You, you'd be very surprised who knows who, actually. So
2: Real-life learning. Real-life learning. So (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about my experiences with um, working with Tracy and and the peer review process. Uh, And just to give you a little bit of insight as as to where I come from and where I work, Um, I work at the Georgetown Hospital Foundation, which is a small um, community hospital foundation. We're a staff of four, so not one, not, you know, 50, but we're a staff of four. Uh, And annual fundraising goals, you know, are anywhere between $1.2 and $1.5 million a year based on, you know, what's going on in in our environments. Um, We are post-campaign. So we launched, for us, which um, was the largest community fundraising campaign our community had ever seen, which is $6.5 million uh, in 2011. So we completed that uh, about five years ago. So we are post-campaign. We're looking to increase engagement of our current board members, which I'm sure we're all trying to do and assess the candidacy of potential uh, senior volunteers. So as we grow and develop, so do our needs. So we're constantly thinking about um, who would be a good fit for around our our board table. Um, As an earlier slide demonstrated, and we certainly fit this model, our board is very good at governance, but we're not so great at fundraising. And I think we'd all um, agree to that. Um, We're looking to grow our donor base and we'd like to evolve from being really an annual giving shop to a more robust major gift um, shop. But how do we do that? That's always a big question. Um, And our board roles and the board expectations have changed midterm for some people, which we touched on earlier. So that creates a little bit of tension um, as as we grow and develop, um, but there's also some great learning opportunities there. So let's go back to uh, the capital campaign I mentioned in 2011. Um, so this is when I first started at the organization, and we had conducted a formal prospect research process. So when I arrived... Not with me. Um, n- not with Tracy. <laughs> we did have um, a file of, of, of donors and corporations who were on this list. But what we didn't do was any sort of peer review. Um, so what we initiated, and we didn't realize we were doing it at the time. I didn't realize it until much later what we did. But what we did was we initiated an informal peer review process by striking up um, a small group of, of volunteers. There were some board members and there were some community members. And we created what we called um, a, a little mini small business campaign um, with the objective of engaging as many Uh, members of our local business community to support our capital campaign project with a pledge of $5,000 or more. So what were the outcomes of this project? Well, we were able to engage one of our strongest board members who was extremely comfortable sharing uh, information and facilitating introductions. We were also introduced to small business owners who we otherwise would have missed without creating this this group, this small group of people who shared local intelligence. Because I can tell you um, the peer review process was initially missing, but what wasn't missing were all of our assumptions. So we made a lot of assumptions about companies that were on that list. We don't know anybody, they don't want to support us, um, they don't have the capacity to support us. And by creating this network and by sharing information and, and conducting this informal peer review, we realized that we, we missed a lot of um, really important information. So we were able to secure eight new pledges um, as a result of this small campaign, which totaled over $40,000, which might not seem like a lot of money, but at that time and during that campaign, it was very significant. And I can tell you also that with proper stewardship and cultivation, those eight companies who we would have missed, a lot of them are still with us today. So seven years later, they're still active, they're still with us. So when I look at the snowball effect of, you know, initiating that informal review, it was, was quite powerful. So we're going to flash forward to today, 2018, and we're operating in a post-campaign environment, and I can tell you that our case for support is not nearly as strong. Uh, we're raising money for x-ray equipment, not a new, um, you know, uh, emergency department and CT scan. So that that's kind of tricky to sell in a post-campaign world. Um, And we need to build up our pipeline to satisfy our current needs and to build for a future campaign. Um, And then, of course, we also identified that as the foundation has evolved, which naturally it will as you go through a capital campaign process, your roles and expectations of your board members change. So our board members went from being sort of in the weeds a bit and, you know, just trying to sell, um, you know, event tickets, which is great. We need them to do that. Um, so that's not a bad thing. Uh, but they were, you know, reviewing direct response, copy, and that's not where they should be living. And, and we, we realized this, um, and some of our board members realized this through some education. So in 2017, we introduced the fabulous Tracy Church. <laughs> We conducted um, a, a small scale, was, that, what, what, was it a small scale, or was, you were there for a short term, we engaged your services for a uh, prospect research yeah. project yeah. Uh, and then we triggered um, a peer review process yeah. based on the prospect research that um, Tracy did for us. So what we learned from that, well this is not on the slide. And it should be. I can tell you that if you engage in prospect research, one of the most amazing things is you will receive information that can allow you to elevate some of your asks. And again, I go back to what I said earlier about assumptions. I live and work in a small community. I have no shortage of assumptions um, about different organizations and what they can give. And before the research took place, I probably would have pitched this one organization I'm thinking of maybe a $500 sponsorship. I didn't think they could do much more than that. Research enabled me to make a $5,000 ask, which they accepted almost without hesitation two times. So two years in a row, and I'm gonna go back again. So prospect research can be very, very powerful and really help up your game. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, was, that was like one of the, the oh, thanks, top learnings thanks, for me. Jen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What we learned from the peer screening process is it is going to take time, it is going to take practice, and not every one of your volunteers is going to be good at it. It can be a little awkward the first first go around. Um, What our first uh, peer review exercise did was, it did identify for us um, some gaps around the board table. So we were pretty quickly able to assess um, who was going to thrive in this environment and who actually shrunk back. They, like, they just they weren't comfortable um, working this way. So that enabled us to really think about what we need going forward. So when we're talking to potential and future board members about joining you know, our, our group, we're very, very specific and we're very upfront about what we need. And I think five years ago, we weren't so much. So we've really grown and evolved, and it's just going to help... Um, our efforts going going forward.
1: Okay, um, so one of the things is uh, during the lunch and learn, I say lunch and learn, uh, like we always say you know if you feed them they will come, that sort of idea, but uh, basically um, a lot of senior volunteers have no idea what prospect research or you know development is essentially. A lot of the most, a lot of senior volunteers and some senior executives um, come from professions other than fundraising. Like, how many people had a VP come in who has never done fundraising before above them? I have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you're kind of instructing people what this profession is all about. So a lot of times, it's, it's not like they don't want to learn, uh, but you have to sort of teach them. So even though a lot of their, their heart might be in the right place, they need to be educated in how to fundraise and surprise, I would say it's not about golf tournaments. I always had this one development officer I was working with, and she said, I've yet to see a $100,000 check float into a golf bag during a, you know, a, a tournament sort of idea. <laughs> she, she said, and when ours. it does, <laughs> I'll take everything back. But, but in the first 15 minutes of like a one-hour lunch, lunch, show them via presentation or however you want to do it, what it is you do and what it is you can get on different prospects. Uh, What it is you have on them, you know, that sort of idea. Uh, When I used to go to events and people would say, oh, what do you do, Tracy? And it's like, oh, I'm a prospect researcher. I do background research on, you know, prospects and donors. And they get this look on their face like... Do you do research on me? It's like absolutely. That's what I'm here for. It would be it would be wrong not I to do it. do you it. know, Tracy? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's right, Mike. I'll tell you one thing. My kids never tell me the names of people they're dating because it's like, you know, ten minutes later, it's like, well, I noticed that person dropped out after third year university. You know, blah blah blah. You know that sort of thing. So anyway, so they keep it pretty pretty dry. I can still figure it out though. But anyway, but, but in the first, show them what you do. So as fundraisers. Uh, As if you don't have a researcher on staff, then you teach yourself how to do research. I'm going to show you a few sort of quickie things you can do. Um, We can look up wealth indicators. We can look at real estate and shareholdings and relationship maps. uh, And they will be amazed. They have no idea that we actually do a lot of homework before we go out for an ask, right? So we don't expect them to go out cold either. So... As long as they, I think a lot of them are uncomfortable thinking, well, I'm not going to be prepared, right? So examples of what we can get. We can get biographies of our different uh, prospects. This is from Canadian Who's Who. Uh, this is, I, I'm a great stalker of Jerry Schwartz. I noticed that there's a buttons <laughs> out there that said, what was it? stalker researcher yeah i'm a little you know that but i did grab one but anyway so but put me up but uh, but it's like we can get some you know pretty good information on people's educational backgrounds who their parents were who their kids were we don't sort of look at their kids as to their names we want to know if they have kids because kids can spend a lot of your money, as everybody knows. Um, Are there kids in post-secondary, which means they probably have no money? You know, that sort of idea. We can get real estate by postal codes. So these are some of the tools that we use. So if you can put in someone's postal codes, we used to have to go to StatsCan on all the terrible tables. Remember the tables and have to look through all the tables. And now uh, if you put in a postal code, um, of, of your, someone's address, you can actually get the demographics of that postal code. And it can be like anywhere between 300 to 500 households, but you still get an idea of maybe what, uh, you know, the average um, home value is in the postal code. In some provinces, you can get assessment values of homes and so on. So there's a lot of stuff we can get. It's all public information, uh, unless you're going to, say, the U.S., And the U.S., essentially, if someone pays taxes on stuff, it's considered public information. So our friend Jerry Schwartz has a place in Malibu, and we can find out how much he paid for that, what he still owes on it. He doesn't owe anything. You know, what's the value of it now and everything. So we can find out a lot of this stuff already. So our donors and prospects, they might have places in Florida or Arizona or California, and we can kind of sort of um, extrapolate their wealth or maybe their giving capacity based on what they have. Or are they planned giving donors? Is everything wrapped up in assets? So we can actually share this with the board. Sort of look, this is all the stuff we can get from uh, what's out there. We can look up their shareholdings. Um, this is an example of, of course, our friend Jerry Schwartz. You see the, I don't know if you can see the le- little yellow highlight parts you can see if someone's gifted shares we can mm-hmm. see that you know sort of thing and that's really helpful for us because especially coming December when most people give you know they don't give because of tax reasons but they might give in December because of tax reasons and I'm I don't know what's going to happen with the postal strike with all the December gifts right so usually the gift processors are working their little fingers Oh, off. you forgot about oh, that. Sorry oh, sorry no. about that. Just oh, sorry. So, or, you might, or you might have a really easy-going Christmas. I'm not laughing at you. Any I'm not cool. even I'm wondering whether I should even send Christmas <laughs> I, cards. Yeah, anyway. But as I said, so you can get an idea. We can look up someone's, if someone is in a public company, what their executive compensation is, if they're at the top of the, you know, the, sort of the pyramid. We can get a lot of information to sort of Uh, make it a, a capacity assessment and then the affinity part would be we'd look at we can look at gift to other organizations i don't know if you guys saw environics is out there they have this cute little app that you can download you put in your postal code and they talk a little bit more about demographics and stats can does like so this is me this is my reality check this is me last year this is it tracy you're aging in suburbia That's me, that's my husband Will, that's our dog, Cleo. But anyway, so, but you can get an idea how how they live. It even talks about stuff like, um, you know, what foods they might eat or what places where they commonly shop. In the States, they have this down to a fine art. You know, if you drive a Volkswagen and you um, shop at Trader Joe's, then you probably vote Democrat, you know, that sort of idea. So this is what sort of... uh, different vendors are trying to do now and Alex is frowning at me thinking how can I do this for Imagine Canada so anyway so you get an idea so we look at gift to other organizations so I think part of the prospect research that Jen was talking about um, when we did prospect research for uh, Georgetown was basically they were under asking a whole pile Mm -hmm. of their corporations in particular right And that was partly Mary McPherson came along, and she's fierce. I don't know, yeah. So, yeah, we (laughs) Nicole also works with Mary McPherson, and she's (laughs) she's fierce. She's now at Oakville. She's tearing the ground up there, too. And Oakville, they're different because they think they know everybody in Oakville. Well, it turns out they don't know everybody in Oakville, right? That's right. So this is the type of thing where we need to sort of say what we can do. We can get some linkages from the different tools that we use. So you can see this kind of second de- degree of separation between Jim Basile and G- uh, Gerald Schwartz and so on. And it's because they sat on the same boards at the same time with you know a common person. I don't normally go past two degrees, because you might be able to say to someone, can you introduce me? But you can't really say, can you introduce me to Joe? Who might in- Can he bring his friend Jeff? You know, that sort of idea. You don't want to go too far. But you can tell your board members or let them know that you know that they sat on the board at the same time as particular individuals that you're trying to get close to. Some of them might forget. Some of them might not even know. So you might want pictures, that sort of thing as well. So when we do these lunch and learns, you can provide a relationship map of someone in the room. This happens to be. Game of Thrones you know I wish Jon Snow was here but he's not but anyhow uh, but make sure you ask them first right so ask one of your board members who wants to be the guinea pig here right do you mind if I do a relationship map for you or a full profile or I let you know who I think you know that sort of idea and it'd be it's it's quite a bit of fun because I remember when before I worked for CNIB Ann Rosenfield who was actually running this whole thing now asked if I would do a profile on her and I did and I provided it to her. She said, that's great, you're hired, never do that again, basically. Sort <laughs> But at the same time it was kind it was kind of fun. But it's uh people don't know how much information is on out there, I think a lot of the times. I think it's unnerving to know how much information is out there. And this is Canada. We're actually yeah. fairly private in Canada. I think in the States like I would be able to find out what your last car payment was yeah, if I was in crazy, the States. Right? Yeah. I often wonder what prospect researchers do down there. Yes, question. Yep. Was that map designed with specific software, or was it just an example of There's different software out there. Um, There's one actually within Charity Can. The guys are here, too, that you can actually put in names. I find the visual relationship maps are really confusing, right? I like to sort of almost write them out like a family tree. I like, prefer to do family trees. Because what happens, you can't really see here because this is a print screen. If I hover over any one of these things, then it talks about what their relationship is. And it gets really confusing. But it's, if you show them at first visually what's connected, and there's a bunch of free ones out on the internet too, um, you get an idea of what the spider web looks like essentially. And then you can actually break it down to them into like a family tree type thing. Uh, in I'm not sure if Razor's Edge they used to have a tree button. Do they still have the tree button? They have that, we don't have that. That used to like slow the whole mm-hmm. like the lights used to dim. Oh, because it took was... so much power and energy. Yeah, needed. that's <laughs> right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And someone would say, Who did that? and it'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm just, just going funny. for lunch wasn't me. Yeah, that sort of oh, thing. Gosh. Um, but yeah, they still have it. Eh? Oh, the tree button. Yeah, um, okay. So, as I said. While prospect researchers and fundraisers seek out public information to find potential capacity, I'm just about to talk about Imagine Canada, Alex, (laughs) Uh, gifts to other organizations, real estate. We can also find affinity if they've given like-to-like causes, Mm -hmm. uh, event attendance, and so on. And then most importantly, we need to find out the linkages to your organization. So has the prospect served on the board with one of your directors or major giving donors? Do they live in the same neighborhood? I know that in London, where I'm from, there's some streets where there's maybe 12 houses. They're all like really high wealth uh, individuals, and they all know each other, right? Uh, Are they business colleagues? Are they members of the same clubs and social circles? Uh, That's really helpful to know. Did they attend the same school at the same time? So if someone said, oh, she went to Western, oh, you went to Western, you must know, it's just like, that's pretty low likelihood but other schools, like maybe the Upper Canada College or something like that?
2: So when we think back to the um, small business campaign I referenced earlier that we had success in, this is what we really leveraged were, were the linkages. So it was a small business community. A lot of these people knew each other just from operating within a, a very similar network. Um, and they were they lived in the community as well. They were invested in it and in it being... Um, Healthy and, and successful, so very civic-minded. And they also go to the same conferences and
1: stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So tell them what they can do, and I'm going to kind of work you through different sort of things as well. So senior volunteers can bring forward potential names to the organization. Has anyone asked them to do that? Who do you know sort of idea? Um, I think Ken Wyman used to do this uh, thing in his fundraising course where he'd hand out sticky notes, and he would say, okay, everybody put a name of a dentist, you know, we'll stick it on the wall, and put a name of a developer and a doctor, and they would basically kind of break it down to sectors, and the next thing you know, the whole wall would be filled with sticky notes, and that would be kind of your initial pipeline that your board of directors could use, and it's a very visual thing to do, and it's very easy for them to sort of Think of one developer or think of one, uh, you know, senior executive of some sort. In a group discussion, I found this is best for open discussion. So does more than one volunteer know the prospect? And you probably have that in Georgetown in spades. We do. We do because yeah. we're a
2: small community
1: and everybody seems to know everyone. So. Yeah. yeah. And so you need to figure out which one actually is sort of like the closest, right? Because you, you don't want them cross-asking. Cross Because they will get excited. I know you don't believe it now, but just... (laughs) um, And then what was the best first uh, step in solicitation? There's also one-on-one. Some volunteers are more comfortable with this approach. Uh, It can have to do with schedules, for instance. Can you meet one-on-one with a volunteer and talk about that too? And then on an ongoing basis. So set up a process. So give them a contact name, number, email... If they've run into someone at another event that they think might be suitable for your organization, I actually, when I was at Lone Sciences, we gave them, this sounds really hokey, but it worked, laminated, if you laminate things, it becomes more important, um, business cards that actually had instructions who to contact. So it said, if you talk to a donor or if you talk to a prospect, call Nancy at or email Nancy at and it was easy for them to just kind of get it. Now, nowadays, they can put it in their phone. But, you know, some old schoolers kind of like this this laminated thing. You remember at CNIB, we had the, if you want your, your activity to show up on this report, you need to in, add all these things in the field. And we laminated it. You know, and I'd say 50% of them followed it, right, sort of thing. <clears throat> and or the organization brings forward a group of names. And this is quite often what happens to, I'm going to sort of show you some stuff that's sort of been a little bit more successful than just bringing out the listy things. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, in a group session, because it is good for discussion, does more than one volunteer know the prospect? Uh, Sessions should run no longer than an hour and cover a limited number of names per session. Others questions that can be asked, how well does your senior volunteer know the prospects? Yeah, we talked about this. And we're going to talk yeah. about the word no, K-N-O-W, later. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you have a new CEO or someone comes in and they know, I know that guy, I know that girl, I know, everybody. yeah, 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 I know them. And then you define no, and then you have to really, really make sure no is in the database properly. Anyway, um, is the senior volunteer comfortable um, making a solicitation request or introducing the prospect to a fund development team member? Uh, what are the affinity areas and estimated capacity of the prospect? In the book we talk about when Ivy did their peer review, they asked the senior volunteers, how much money do you think this person can give? Like just write out. They didn't give them a ballpark or anything. And they found that people were very comfortable saying, I think this person could give $50,000. Now, in the social experiment, that is life and survivor, um, (laughs) they sort of said they gave estimates, but it was slightly less than they had given themselves. So, I don't know. Just think about that for a second. It was kind of interesting. She said, they found that they identified these people as... As generous, but not as generous as they were, So, which was kind of interesting. Competitive. Competitive, yeah, that's right. And what's the likelihood or inclination the prospect will give to the organization? So we can do research till we're blue in the face, but a volunteer might know that, you know, this is not a good time. I think they're selling their cottage right now, or maybe they're going through a divorce, or, you know, whatever. One of their kids just got into Harvard or something like that. So they might know some kind of personal information that we might not track in the database, but it also knows for us to put a little bit of a halt on our solicitation or you know put it in, in the, uh, into the future. And then one-on-one. Again, sometimes they're more comfortable. So a clue to breakout session. So in the Lunch and Learn, provide an example of how peer screening works in practice. So provide a screening sheet. I'm going to show you what they look like with examples of real prospects already filled in, and then let them try a few. Do a 10-minute breakout where three to four volunteers discuss three names brought forward. So they discuss first amongst themselves, walk around and help them with questions like, who are these people, where did you get them from, if they have any questions about the process. And then after 10 minutes, bring everyone together to do a live fill-in of the full screening sheet together. And then that's when discussion ensues. Okay? So it's, it's kind of interesting. So here, here we go. Here's from Imagine Canada, Alex. <laughs> anyway, so this is an example. I was working with a land trust, and their board of directors was mostly filled with passionate regional environmentalists, you can imagine, right? So we had biology profs there. We had people who were, you know, sort of working in greenhouse because they had primarily foundations on their prospect list, so they wanted to start there. They were comfortable with the foundation ask. They hadn't really any individuals except themselves and their families that they had on on their donor list. They didn't think they had any influential or affluent friends. They didn't think they had any. So, but they did have the Garfield Weston Foundation on their list. So we looked at sort of up the Garfield Weston Foundation and found out who their board of director was, because it's still about individuals, right? Even though foundations might have online application forms, let's face it, if it's a private family foundation and then you have a connection to someone on the board, you're ask will go much further than filling in an online application. You can tell them you filled in an online application, but it's still all about connections. So we actually did research on each one of the board members for, for Weston, and we found that Jordi Dalgleish, the chair at the time, I think he still is actually, he was a past director of Georgian Bay Trust, he's an avid outdoorsman and environmentalist, He'd given a million dollars to Royal Botanical Gardens, 300,000 to Georgian Bay Land Trust, 100,000 to Bruce Trail, 50,000 to the Canadian Community Museum, and 25,000 to Nature Conservancy. It turned out three of the board members from this land trust knew Geordie well, and they were shocked that he was wealthy. <laughs> And I said, you know he Humble. takes his own private plane to his cottage, right? And they're like, no, we didn't know that, right? <laughs> they, were so, yeah, they were never invited to it. Yeah, they were never invited. They just didn't know because he seemed kind of like a regular guy who got into literally the muck. So they had sat on the Georgian Land Trust with Geordie, and they had no idea he sat on Weston's foundation. So even though if we had asked them, do you know anybody on the Weston Foundation, they would say no. They didn't, right? They would, didn't even know. Uh, or that he had in individual wealth. So again, back to the assumptions piece. Yeah, the People, that's right. especially in a smaller yeah, community, right.
2: they, they, you think you know, but you don't know what you don't know. So. Exactly.
1: So we started yeah, actually, they actually kind of swerved away from the Western foundations and started to focus on Geordie themselves. And three of them were sort of essentially fighting over who was going to call Geordie first and ask for money. And I'm like, wait, wait. Let's think holistically about this. First of all, all three of you can ask. that. That's not a problem. But he's also the chair of this foundation that supports environmental causes. It's a twofer here, right, sort of thing. But what's really interesting was they got really excited that they knew a rich guy, which was hilarious, right, sort of thing. Plus, they had it in to the Weston Foundation, which is hard to get it into the Weston Foundation if anyone's tried. So... So reg, for regular peer screenings, I'll make sure how we're doing. Yeah. Okay, we're doing, okay. Remember the rule of KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And I always put here, yes, I was raised by an English military mother. She was very brutal, and she's like, keep it simple, stupid, like sort of thing. And, so, and you can't say that anymore, apparently. Yeah. Not. But it's actually a really good, call, really good guide. So make peer screening a part of the board uh, meetings quarterly, but... Each peer review screening should be no more than an hour. This shouldn't be an onerous thing. So that means 10 to 30 names tops. None of these 200 name lists, right? And no one leaves the room with the names. Yeah, and
2: I I want to touch on this piece, if you don't mind, just the importance of confidentiality. Um, because this is all about trust. You want your your senior volunteers to to trust you with, with sensitive information that, that they are going to bestow upon you and vice versa. So the, the confidentiality piece, um, I just can't stress enough how important that is and just to operate with integrity and, and to respect the information that you receive. So I just feel very very strongly about that piece. No, I think, I think I agree. you need that in order for, for this exercise to be successful because I have noticed... Um, around our table, sometimes there's apprehension to share. And I think that stems from maybe just being nervous
1: about trusting the people with the information that you have. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 vital. and it is harder, as we are talking about, for the national folks. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, you know, well, somebody emails their, okay, someone emails their peer review list out to somebody. So it's one of those things that it is confidential. Probably mo- all of them are on more than one board, right? So you don't want it sitting on their office desk. You don't want it coming home. It might even have, you know, how much they've given to your organization on the the screen list. So you don't want that going around. And at first, if they're kind of going, well, I don't know, I'll just take this home and review it, then they understand that if we're like, I'm sorry, this is confidential and we respect that, then they have more respect for you that they know that their information is also confidential with your organization. But here's kind of the rule of thirds that I call it that really kind of helps with a successful peer screening session. A third of the names should be warm, meaning lapsed donors who you want to get back on the board or increase their giving. So it can't be 30 cold names because they give up pretty quickly, right? A third, this is the fun one, third that I love. (laughs) Of the names you know have linkages to someone in the room. So, the way I put it is, we know they know who they know, but they don't know who they know, right? Sort of thing. So, that just like the Geordie Dalgleesh thing, right? And somewhere Geordie's going, my name is being used, right? So, uh, but provide enough information that gives them a chance to make the connection themselves. So you're talking about, you know, they were on, they worked for RBC. They were on these different boards. They went to this, and the person will finally say, oh, I know that guy. Yes, he and I, blah, blah, blah. Whereas you already know the answer, but you want them to bring it forward, right? And then everyone needs to uh, feel that they contributed to the success of the, se- success of the session. And then the third, that allows you for one-third of the names to come from your wish list. So... Prospects who look good on paper that maybe you know we brought forward but have no known connections. So if you do the kind of warm ones and then the you know you knows, then that allows you to bring ten names forward of kind of your wish list. So this is example of what a screening sheet looks like and I'll kind of And this is what we used in Georgetown. Yeah, this yeah. is what we used yeah. in Georgetown. That's right. This over here on the far right is supposed to be fireworks. I don't know. It's it's exciting. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So (laughs) you can see, I'll just read the columns uh, just for the people on the broadcast. So there's a column for prospect name, uh, prospect position, employer, city, province, organizational notes. And these are all filled in by the organization ahead of time. Right? So you can actually put in the organizational notes maybe what activity they've had with you. You can put in past giving if you want. I actually don't like to lead them down that little golden road. I want to know what they think. And then the depth of knowledge. So you see the know well, know somewhat, do not know. We'll talk about that in the middle. These are all the parts that the volunteers fill in. So they fill in depth of knowledge, estimated capacity, program affinity. Uh, if they've given, say, for instance, a university is a really good example. Say they graduated from, we'll just say, library and information science. Just We'll just cause. say that. Yeah. But <laughs> what, if, what if you actually really like music as a passion in your background? That doesn't exclude me from giving to the music program, right? So you have to sort of, that's kind of a knowledge thing that someone might say, yeah, but, you know, she likes, she likes concerts, As Nicole knows, we've been to a concert together. Anyway, well, not together. That's a long story. Anyhow, um, inclination, high, medium, low. Uh, Would you like to make the introduction? Yes, no. Senior volunteer name, we need that. And additional notes. So this is the part, as I said, where the really, uh, when I said you fill in these live uh, in sort of like a spreadsheet that will grow, that's the part that gets filled in the most. It's It's really fun because that's when they sort of like, Talk about how they know them and what extra parts they have. And then, of course, screening date. Because we all know what's going to happen. This is going to go in the database, right? Right, Nicole? Right. <laughs> but you want to define no. <laughs> so on the form, the know well, know someone. And this We were talking about this. Yeah, is, we've all had experience with this no thing. Are they willing to ask on behalf of the organizations, make an introduction or whatever, pick up the phone? Based on experience, oh I know him right so you can actually further define this relationship are they close friend like do they holiday with each other that's pretty close right are they acquaintance a friend of a friend or they've met them at the club a business colleague a uh, Yep. Have you worked with them at the same organizations, business acquaintance, uh, have cross business circles, family connections, your in-laws, spouses, and so on?
2: I, I think this is a good qualifier. Do you know them well enough to pick up the phone? Because yeah. I know a lot of people. There are a lot of people I, I don't want to call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just a, a short list of people who I would call. So yeah, exactly. It's a good qualifier.
1: Um, and then there's also, does anyone remember from the AFP fundraising courses, there's webbing exercises. So when you someone first comes on your board, you can go through this webbing exercises. So it actually is kind of hard to see, I think, some of the stuff, but you can sort of see that basically it gives you a little bit more experience. So you can pass these out to your board members, and it does talk about things like, What church do you go to? Which we don't normally ask those types of things in Canada, but they might want to say, well, I I go to Holy Blossom Temple or something like that. Uh, What sports do they play? Uh, Are they a member of Osler, you know, uh, ski club or something like that? So that's the type of stuff that we can put into our database. So if we come across a prospect or a donor that have those same um, connections, we can sort of know who to call, so to speak. So these webbing exercises, and they're in the book, but they're also available from through the AFP website. So don't be afraid to do these webbing exercises when your people first come on the board. So there's just a couple of uh, sheets on that, so you can look at those. And then tracking and reporting, very, very important. There's no point doing all this effort and then it disappears into never, never okay. land. Who, right?
2: Did most of you use Razor's Edge or in the room, something or something similar?
1: Yeah. That. Do you track your volunteer activities in in your database? Who doesn't yet? So when we Nicole. were, I no. <laughs> no, you're here, <you're> nervous. <laughs> She's my <laughs> database queen. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Globally, so yeah. okay. we're walking before we can run. Right. Oh, right. So you're doing... So you, we'll get, I know you'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Sometime yeah. in 2020. Well, okay, okay. Actually, 2020 is not that far away. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But anyways, one of those things that you have to... So it emphasizes the, the importance of the volunteer relationship, of course, and actions. Uh, encourages accountability and feedback. You can provide reports on uh, yeah. other board members' activities. It also attaches their name to revenue. And that's what really we're all about, is attaching who's ever to revenue, who identified the prospect. If a volunteer identified a prospect and that prospect came through to a $100,000 gift, you're gonna want to know that and be able to sort of acknowledge that. So
2: like our donors, I think our volunteers, they're, they're seeking impact, where they wanna know the impact of, of their good work and um, you know how, how it contributed. So it's super motivating. I think super important as well to do that piece. And in Razor's Edge, when we did that, the small business campaign I mentioned, we assigned um, the volunteers as solicitors, volunteer solicitors, so we could run action reports. And we, it gave us a reason to call people, our, our, our volunteers, and to stay in touch with them. You know, I had in my notes that you were supposed to reach out to so-and-so by this date or after Christmas, just seeing if you did that. So we found that to be, to be very, very helpful.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, back to the laminated, you know, car mm. business, it's like, if they've done anything outside of, say, the meetings and everything, then let, we need to know that. Um, there's example of board uh, member screening reports as well in the, uh, in the presentation, what it looks like at the end, and that's like pulling out of the database. And here's some additional sources. So we are doing a book draw. If everyone wants to hand in their business cards, we will do a book draw, and there's lots of good forms and everything. Um, But there's also Don McDermott from Capacity Canada. He did an association governance overview for us. Vernada Walker, engaging the board of directors to meet your goals. So that was from the AFD Leadership Academy you should be able to get that from. So there is sort of a lot of board engagement, But it's just the peer review. So if anyone has some, as you're trying this stuff out and you tweak it at all, by all means, let us know. Because we're trying to perfect it. Well, I don't know if it will be perfect. But you know what I mean, as close as we can. And good luck and have fun. So we will do a little board draw. Does anyone have any questions? We have, I think, five or so minutes for questions. You're going to get this, yeah. Now, there's the one that's on the app. It's already on the app, but I've updated it. So we can email it out. We'll Email it to AFP. And yeah. So, and then just email me if you have any questions or whatever. I've got lots of forms and stuff I can give you. So. Any other questions? Yes? When you're talking about the webbing exercise, is there ever any pushback from, say, board members that are in HR or something saying we can't ask that in-depth information they can, about them? They don't have to fill it in. There's like everything is like all the form, all the fields are optional. And don't forget the AFP thing came from the U.S., so they they don't mind asking all sorts of stuff. But basically, it's sort of basic. You know, fill in what you can. And we appreciate we fill in. We'll add it to the, your record in the database and that sort of thing. So the They'll add what they want to add. Some of them are going to be like, you know, I'm a member of the Hunt Club and the Yacht Club. And, you know, they're happy to share. And others might not, right? But uh, religious affiliation, I still think, is quite important. People don't really talk about it that much. But if they go to the same church, that's big, you know. Do we want to do the draw? Are you guys ready? All right. Are we ready? Rummage, rummage, rummage. What? What's that? Is that like a bell? I think there's a bell. there. There's something in there. Oh, there is. There's a button. Who we got here? We have Brooke Duval. Ooh, Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations, Brooke. There you go. You can just wave it and they say, I don't need to buy it. I just, already, that's right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, by all means, contact us if you have any more input or questions.
0: Okay? Well, thank you very much. Uh, Tracy and Jennifer, and for your wonderful presentation. I think we all have something that we can take back to our boards and uh, do some work in identifying more prospects. And this is just a token oh, of cool. our appreciation that's for so nice. taking the time out to Thank come you. and talk to us today and, and give us your expertise in this area. We can have a big round of applause for Tracy and Jennifer.
1: Thank you.
0: And I just have a couple of housekeeping items. You said that the, pro- the presentation is going to be it's on... We have one on the
1: app, but we did update a little bit. Yeah, we did. So we, we'll probably reset it. <laughs>
0: so that the presentation's available either through the AFP app for the Congress or it'll be on the website. I'm not sure if you're aware I have an Android, but I the app. I tried it. Oh, no. I tried it before I left. I didn't even find I tried it again last night. I tried it again ah. ah. by Okay, you might want to go faster. to the AFP show office and let them know because they may be able to either help you with it or give you another resource for that. We'll um, so yeah. the, uh,
1: resend it. We'll resend the updated version too. Thank
0: so. you. Yeah. Um, so the evaluations for today's session are in front of you. If you could take a few moments to, um, to fill them out, you can do that uh, either on the paper copy or on the app for those who are able to access it. Um, and they are really used by the chapter in bringing in speakers, and they go through the uh, evaluations and uh, take them quite seriously. So your feedback is really welcomed. And I just have a couple of housekeeping items for this afternoon. Um, There's the AFP Foundation for Philanthropy Booth, which is doing headshots. Um, If you didn't sign up for them, they're $25, but you can go. They're in the exhibitors hall. Um, So if you're looking for a new professional headshot, that's a great place to go. Um, The delegates reception is tonight from 5 till 6.30 in the exhibitors hall. And you can mingle with fellow delegates, session speakers, sponsors and exhibitors and enter to win some great prizes. Um, And then there's the delegate concierge event. There's a networking event planned tonight at the rec room across from the Metro Toronto Convention Centre, and tomorrow night delegates are going to Second City to catch a show. So if you didn't sign up but would like to, please go to the show office, and the staff will get you signed up for those things. So thank you very much.
1: Oh, and two more things. We do have our business cards up here, and I'm not staying tonight if anyone wants my drink tickets. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know what? Mine too. Oh, we've got I'm four drink mine. tickets up here. That? Oh, yes, you want drink tickets? Sure do. All right. I used to go around and ask all the pregnant ladies, her. It's just like, "Are you using your drink to get that? <laughs> that's hilarious?" <laughs>